What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Barbells and Trails podcast. I'm your host, Brett, and I am accompanied by Noah. What's up, guys? I'm back. <laughs> yeah, he was he, he was missing last week, but uh, I we found him. Busy. I'm sorry. He, he's stuck out in the woods. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. School finals, but. I don't. <laughs> you lucky so, duck. um, now hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast last week. It was uh, a little shorter, um, but I, I think it it went well. Uh, I, I mean, I could have probably done a little more with it, but hey, I just talked about 4H and kind of how I got started. So it wasn't it wasn't anything too crazy. But hope you guys enjoyed. But I have a feeling. I do have a feeling that most of our listeners um, that I know that probably would have listened to it either have been in 4-H or just know what it is. So that, I guess that's for a broader audience if anybody ever listens to it. It's yeah. not fairly local, but hey, it's out there. Um, and uh, I would like to thank everybody that has followed our Instagram in the past week. Uh, I've been working on it, posting more, got us up to 25 subscribers or followers. Um, so appreciate the follows there. Um, and, uh, yeah, just appreciate the support, but, uh, uh, this podcast for this week is going to be a little more laid back on topics. We don't have anything too specific. We're just going to talk about a bunch of, uh, more weird, random stuff, I guess for a little bit, uh, just kind of bs for a little bit but um all right so i guess we're gonna start off with a i did have a listener question from last week's episode whoa, whoa, whoa. how was the 5k oh oh yeah true uh i i did run the 5k i told you guys about last week if you do follow us on instagram i did post a reel about it um it, i mean it went well i mean uh i i ran a 2440 to somewhere in there Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I was shooting for 25, um, at least, and depending, I was, uh, I wasn't sure if I could push myself to maybe get 24, but I ended up just kind of keeping pace with my uncle. And uh, at the beginning I was kind of, um, I wasn't super far up front. So I was kind of caught behind some people. So trying to work my way through a bit at the beginning, but I held, um, basically an eight eight minute pace perfectly almost and a little faster at the end and i just uh tailed my uncle there by about two lengths uh like basically two people spaces and uh the whole time and then we got to the main stretch to the finish line and basically the entire time as i was uh going around on the on the track or whatever um <laughs> I, I was like okay i was like i don't want him to beat me I don't think I have, I don't know if I want to push ahead of him now and then maybe not stay ahead of him by the end. So I just made sure I stayed with him the whole time because I, mm. I could tell that there's times he picked up his pace just a little bit. Um, so I just made sure I stayed basically right with them. And then, uh, but I was like, I can't last like the year before I was less ill or more ill prepared and I cramped up, so he did beat me easily um, <laughs> by, like, two minutes. <laughs> so 
I, I was like, I can't, I can't uh, let him beat me again. So no matter what, I wanted to cross the finish line before him. So when we got on that main drag uh, to the finish line, I just full out sprinted. And I don't think he expected it, which was hilarious. Because as I came up around him, uh, I saw him like turn and I heard him say, oh shit. <laughs> and he tried sprinting to catch up. But I I just uh, took it into another gear that he wasn't prepared for. <laughs> and then I ended And then I ended up passing, I think, two other people ahead of me. Uh, by the time I got to the finish line, but uh, I I lost my AirPod as I was running. My it was uh, kind of wiggling loose, and I tried holding it in, and then I was just trying to full out sprint, and it bounced out, and I was like, oh shit! But I just kept going. <laughs> so, Dang. but I, it, it was pretty good. I I did get to the event a little late, but I mean I was there. To start the race, I mean that's all that mattered. <laughs> there you go. It sounded like it went pretty good. It looked no, like it, it went pretty good too. It did. Uh, it was definitely a little um smaller of a turnout than it was last year. Hmm. Don't really know why, but it, it, it was pretty good. I mean, there was one guy that when we got to our like, uh, man, he he probably was running like a fifteen minute five k. Um, that's crazy. But the there wasn't a there wasn't a whole lot of people that was necessarily up there. I mean, there might have been. I'm trying to think. Twenty five to thirty people maybe ahead of me, mm-hmm. uh, roughly. But then by the time like after the first mile, but I mean by the time probably got to the finish, I probably passed like seven or eight of those. So, um, I mean, yeah, there's some people that were definitely like running really well but by the time we got to our first mile marker the because we kind of backtrack on each other mm-hmm. the dude that was ahead and in first was was passing by back and he was probably i would say at least three quarters of a mile ahead of me and we were only we were already at the first mile uh, so yeah, he, he was probably at least three quarters of a mile to almost a mile ahead of where I was. Um, so he, he was, yeah, he was booking it. I don't know who the hell he was, but he, he was on it. <laughs> and then he was still probably, I don't know, at least, uh, two, two or three tenths of a mile almost ahead of the people behind him. So he, he was, he was long gone. <laughs> Those 15 minute five Kers, they are crazy to watch. And yeah, it, it just doesn't make sense at one point. It's like, I don't know how, like, you don't look like you're running fast, but, like, you're moving a lot. <laughs> In a 15-minute 5K, it's not even an Olympic standard. Like, usually all the Olympians, they run it in, like, 14-something. It's It's crazy. Fourteen something, fuck that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't want to do that, but uh, I was just happy because I mean, I, I the last five k I ran by myself before this, like, um, I did like twenty six ten or so, so about about there. I don't know the exact time, but it was somewhere in there because I ended up running longer, so it's not like I was able to mark it very well. Um, mm-hmm. 
but and so I knew I was like I should be able to hit 25 no matter what just running with other people and kind of the the being at the event itself definitely was gonna help so it, it did um and and that was the thing even my uncle was saying like when he was I guess just running for it compared to my aunt my aunt would just run on the treadmill he would actually go out and run and he's like man when I was just le- leisurely running by myself he's like I'd probably average like an eight or an eight a nine or something he's like so I'd average like a 27 minute um 5k and that'd be about it uh so I I mean I was kind of doing the same I was going a little faster but I mean and that was it on my birthday or the day before a couple of weeks ago I I ran a seven under seven minute mile which is the first time I've ever done that so that was there cool. you go that's so. pretty impressive that hurt by the end of it. I was like, I don't like it. <laughs> like it didn't last long, but then at the same time, it's like once you're done, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. No, How no, I no get bueno. through those kind of workouts is it's like, no matter what kind of like effort you put in, like you can either, you know, do it halfway, like put fifty percent into a workout. Or you could put your 110%, but either way, five to 10 minutes afterwards, you're going to feel fine. Like you'll, you'll be okay. Yeah. And then like, that's also the thing when I, when I was running on my own, so, uh, several of the times that I went and did a 5K in general, I would start out faster than I should have been. And that's mm-hmm. one thing, like if I ever do longer races, like a half marathon, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> <clears throat> coughing on air <coughs> or a marathon i gotta learn that i just gotta start slow and just keep mm-hmm. it and stay th- stay there because even at that pace like after t- 10 miles it's gonna be exhausting like um because yeah. there's times when when i would like start some of my 5ks i'd look at my pace and i wasn't paying attention i was just kind of running and then i'd look look at my fitbit and i was running like a seven minute mile pace at the time and i was like e. i was like I, and then i'd be like oh, i'll slow down a bit and then i'd still be doing like a 745 and i'd be like I, I don't know maybe i'll hold that and then it's like by the time i'm on like mile two and a half my pace is more like a 8 30 or 40 so it like gradually just slowed down a bit without me necessarily recognizing it and it's like man why the f- why the hell when I get started, am, am I running fast? It's just because, like, I don't have that lactic buildup. I feel loose. So, like, when you first start running, you don't even necessarily realize when you're, like, going for a decent jog or starting off, you don't realize, like, at least I don't half the time how fast I am going and that it's going to be to a detriment if I'm trying to keep pace. So that was something, oh, like, when yeah. I was training for this a little more, I was like, I can't go too fast. And then that was the thing, even when we started on the first mile yesterday, there for a minute, we were probably under an eight minute pace, at least on my watch that I was getting. And, and I was like, okay, I was like, I think I'm, I'm going to try fucking holding this. Like, I'm not going to, I'm going to at least try keep pace with him. So my mm-hmm. uncle definitely did push me because I was like, I can't let this man beat me. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not going to slow down. Um, so that definitely helped. It's like without a running partner, it's 
so much harder because you get in your head so much more. And yeah, and you get in your head even like running with people, but it's like if they're doing it, I gotta do it kind of thing. It's almost like peer pressure. Yeah, in a, in a way. way. It, it it's good. It I mean it's like really good to have that person like push you, but yeah. But all right, so I do have. I mean, in the last uh, episode, uh, we did have, or I, I was able to get some voice messages from some people to answer some questions on for the podcast. Um, I do encourage people to do that. Uh, it's a lot cool. Either DM on Instagram, um, uh, send a voice message on Anchor if you have that, or uh, I'm gonna have questions and polls on every. Um, every podcast episode on Spotify. Uh, just ask any question there or anything like that that we can possibly answer on the podcast. So I do appreciate it. Yes. Um, so we, we did have one uh, from the last episode and their question was, well, there's a couple. So, <laughs> um, so one was very simple. Uh, what's your favorite season? So we'll start with that. <laughs> Our favorite season, like weather season. Yeah, yeah, I guess uh, so. Yeah. Huh, that's a hard one. I would have to say fall. Yep, just I was about I to so say the many, same thing. I feel like everyone says that, but like I just have so many good memories in fall. I feel like that's true for me. I guess when it comes to just basing it on the season itself, um, like I like spring, like right now and uh here it's been amazing. Like it's been like sitting mid to low seventies for the past, like two weeks. We haven't had a crap ton of rain. It's been perfect here. It sucks here. Well, let's just say this week it's supposed to get up to like 97. So I mean, it's going to get hot, but like here it's like, it gets warm. Like it's pretty warm right now, but it's raining. Like yesterday, I think it got up to almost 80. Um, but it would rain like every hour. Um, and so then it just got so muggy. And it's like you would go outside when it was like really sunny. And then before you know it, it's like pouring down rain again. But at least the fires won't be as bad this year. Yeah. I, it's, I was going to say, I, I like spring. It's just at one point some springs there's so much rain it's really 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 annoying and that that's the downside of spring i feel like summer i'm not against but um i'm not a big fan of the heat so like when you get into like mid-july especially in indiana if it's like 90 like this week it's not gonna be fun when it hits those highs when it's like 95 97 and it's humid um it's not fun at all like we'll have 90 percent humidity and it'll be 94 out so it it feels like it's like 110 at least um so that's not fun and then i just like fall because i like it when it's like 50 to 60 degrees where it's like i need a hoodie i need to wear jeans or sweatpants at times you know bonfires you can hang out the leaves are changing like all that kind of stuff i i enjoy that that feeling it's fun so like I don't know. Go go shopping, get coffee with, with people. I don't just shit like that. Like it's fun. 
So yeah. I think we would both agree fall is pretty cool. Yes, it's pretty great. Especially in Indiana, like people out in Oregon don't don't uh or at least on the east east side of this country, it's it's more enjoyable because people basically I would well I don't I don't know I don't know where it cuts off, but I would probably say what maybe uh what's past Missouri I don't know maybe Utah and West or maybe even a little closer um they don't necessarily experience fall because they don't have like leave changes they don't like the weather sometimes doesn't necessarily change a whole lot it's just different I mean yeah I mean the leaves don't change but the weather the weather is pretty nice I mean that's when it does start raining the rain should be gone by now it should stop raining but it isn't (laughs) usually by fall the rain starts up but it's also like you have some beautiful days where it's just like i don't know like 75 and it's just like perfect weather oh well yeah that's true okay so so, uh next question um Okay, so I guess it's kind of a two-parter. I'll start with the easier question, I guess. Was um, So I'll just read the whole question. We'll start with the easy one and then go to the harder one. So they said, any advice about anxiety? I'm always scared when I go to open shows with my animals. I shake a ton and don't eat the whole day. And then also, did you ever do 4-H camp slash mini? Um, so let's start with the last one, I guess. I didn't go to camp. I was a camp counselor twice. I did do, I was a mini 4-H uh, camp counselor as long as I could. So mm-hmm. whatever that is, like six years, seven years. So that, I mean, yeah. that's a lot of fun. I did that. Uh, did you, did you do either of those? Yeah. Did you go I to was, camp? Um, I don't. I don't think I went to camp. I know I went to 4-H camp. Like, the one... Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I did that. Shack and Mac. Yeah, Shack and Mac. I did that. That was fun. But I was I think that's what, what they were asking. And... Yeah, so, I... Uh. My parents tried talking me into going to camp, but at the time, at that point in my t- life, I was super shy. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't, like being around a lot of people or public speaking like i i I was i got really nervous so like my parents would be like yeah come on go to camp it's a lot of fun you'll meet friends and i'm like you know what i think i'm fine without them i'm just gonna stay here (laughs) like i i I don't wanna because who am i gonna camp with (laughs) like that that was my thing i was like i don't know anyone why would i go and my parents were like that's the whole point of going is to meet people and at that time, I was just, I didn't get that. But then, like, when I went to Academy and stuff like that later, like, a few years later after I couldn't go to camp anymore, I, I, I don't know, I got out of my shell more and was more um, extroverted when it came to stuff like that. And so it's just something you, you'll get used to with some people. But, yeah, so I never went to camp. I did counsel for, uh, was it two years? It might have only been one. But... The year I did go, because I don't think you were there, we had three kids go to the ER. <laughs> yep, I was not there. I wish. That would have been fun. 
I, I, I can remember two off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure there was a third one. One was there was a child. Okay, so uh, you know Samuel, right? My cousin. Mm-hmm. And you know Kyle Colbert, yeah. right? Okay, so I think they were in – they were both counselors in the same cabin. And you know how those two are in general, especially with kids. They're crazy. So imagine a cabin full of young boys and then <laughs> them being in charge. Um, so they, like, took a, a bunch of socks and made it into basically a ball. And they're playing football and catch in the cabin and stuff like that. And I think a kid somehow fell off of a bunk bed or was doing something or got, like, knocked over <laughs> and hit his head on the concrete floor. Ooh. And I think had a, a, a slight concussion and went to the hospital. Um, and then I think another kid ended up with a concussion for a different reason. But in one of the group activities, I was not even around uh, for this one because I was doing fishing that year. So I was isolated over by the lake. Um, if anybody's been, I was on that dock basically the whole time. Um, and, uh, and I think my, my sister was there as a camper that year and she was in the group that this happened to. And she told me afterwards because she explained it, but I guess they were doing like, um, do you remember like the old, uh, two liter bottle rocket things where you like pressurize the bottle with like a little air pump and you put some stuff in it and it like shoots up. Yeah. I guess they were doing that, and this one kid kept, for some stupid reason, put their head over the bottle. I don't know why, because there's nothing to look at. So they were, like, leaning over and looking at it, and I think she was the kid that was that it happened to was even in my sister's group, and they told her several times to stop doing that because they didn't know when the bottle was going to go off. And, of course, she didn't. And then the bottle shot up and smacked her right in the head. And, I mean, those things are really pressurized. I mean, they'll shoot 50 feet in the air. So I think she ended up with a minor concussion as well. <laughs> um, That's what she gets. Yeah, I mean, th- there was a lot that happened that year. I mean, it rained for almost a day straight, so we did miss out on some activities. Within, I think, 10 minutes of me and my campers being in our cabin – we broke a bunk bed. Um, nice. Yeah, I I don't I don't know how that happened, but it just did. Um, Dude, like no one was even jumping on it. It just kind of like collapsed. Luckily, no one was under him, and uh, like the top bed just fell in. Uh, one of the, one of the counselors I was with, thank God, brought candy to bribe the children, which was oh, amazing and very smart. useful. Man, yeah, I didn't do any of that. I just made him do burpees. I had one kid for some reason that kind of freaked out, got mad, and then crawled under the bunk bed and hid. It was weird. Um, hmm. and, th- and then I think on my sister's cabin one night, uh, she told me that there was a raccoon that came up to the door. <laughs> it was nice. scratching at the door. And I think they – because I think there's a – was it a screen door or a glass door on the on the cabins or something? And yeah. I guess the campers and the counselors, all, all of them were freaking out. And then my sister's just sitting there like, really? And, uh, and they're like freaking out that somehow it was going to get in. And, uh, and it kept coming back. And um, 
so they didn't get a lot of sleep because like they or she didn't because like the counselors were freaking out and screaming because there's a raccoon um trying to get it trying to get in <laughs> i mean you got kids that are fifth grade and under and at that point probably a counselor that was only 14 so i mean yeah <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. It, it was it was an interesting year, I guess, to say the least. Sound, sounds like it. But okay, so now on on the um bit bigger question, uh, any advices about anxiety in general? But I think they were asking, especially when it comes to showing um animals and doing stuff with that. I, I mean, I got. I'm trying to think back to even when I was younger and showing, I mean, I got nervous, um, I guess to the buildup of the show because I was worried about stuff going wrong or some, something along those lines. Um, but honestly, I feel like when I got into the show arena, showing pigs and everything, I, I was still nervous cause I, I didn't like being in front of people. But in those situations, the thing that would get me the most was talking in front of people. Um, oh, so yeah. when it came to showing, I didn't necessarily have to do that. So it wasn't as bad. But then also when, when I got in there and I got started, I didn't focus on the crowd. I focused on the judge. I focused on what I was doing. I kind of blocked everything else out and didn't think about it. So I don't think I ever had um, – a situation necessarily where um i got super nervous when it came to um showing itself um i mean i know i had some times where i got really really flustered and embarrassed because my pig acted up a few years or i had just like that one pig that was not working with me at all that day um and and i got embarrassed because of that and like maybe my pig started running or it knew where the exit gate was and just kept going for the exit and didn't want to listen and, and like those situations. But, um, I, I mean, I got embarrassed in those senses and I got nervous, not necessarily from the crowd, but just from, I guess the judge kind of thing being like, mm. I, I felt, I felt like I've messed up because like my animals not cooperating. So that's why I felt bad. Cause I was like, well, that just kind of shot my chances of, um, possibly winning the class or something along those lines. I did have a few times or I think I did have a opportunity where my pig was still good enough that I was able to walk him enough. He did act up, but I still think I either won the class or I got second. Um, so I did get lucky a, a couple times in that sense. But when it comes to showing I, uh, how you show the pig can definitely help with presentation and moving up through the ranks. So when your pig just doesn't want to work with you in particular, it just makes it harder to even give your chance the opportunity to get into the next um, next show for possibly champion or something along those lines. I mean, yeah. did you ever deal with like show showman uh, nervousness or anxiety? Oh yeah, I, I dealt with it all the time. Um, how? I would recommend dealing with it is kind of before you go go out 
um, you know, think back to all the work you've put in and think back to everything you've done and knowing that that work is going to pay off. Um, knowing that as soon as you step into the, um, arena, um, that, you know, what happens happens. Um, just put, do your best, focus on the judge. Don't focus on anybody in the crowd. Don't exactly. think about your mom. Don't think about your dad. Don't think about anything besides just showing and knowing how your animal acts. Um, even if they act up, you know, just yep. stay calm because the calmer you yep. stay, that's going to be the better performance. Um, if you still, if you're still freaking out, take three deep breaths. Yes. Um, count one thing I've done now when I've had really bad anxiety is I count back from 10. So I go 10, 9, 8, all the way down to 1. And then as soon as I hit 1, I go all the way up to 10. And you can just do that in your head while you're staring at the judge and still, you know, focusing on the task at hand. But that's what I would recommend. Just stay Definitely. focused knowing that <clears throat> you, the work you put in is going to pay off. And, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a... It, and I feel like it's gotten worse over the years from how I've heard from like my, my parents and when they were in it, like it's definitely there was competition, worse. but now it, it it's harder to do well because more people put money into projects, but then yeah, not only, money. especially in our County. Um, but not only that, but I feel like the thing that, I th that gets to four H's the most is I think stress from family members more than the stress of showing. I know that I've oh, yeah. dealt with that probably more than actually showing itself. It's not the showing that I think gets me most of the time or has in the past. Cause I know I've had like during the fair, I love the fair, but it is a very emotionally taxing, stressful, day especially on show day and if you have livestock oh, yeah. several several species and you're showing three or four days of the fair um it makes it a lot harder in that sense but i feel like the times that i, ha I have broken down um have been afterwards um after i'm done showing I, I i've never had any issues necessarily in the show arena but it's definitely been afterwards where you get flustered. It's 90 degrees in there. It's, it's hot as hell. You're, you're wearing long sleeves of jeans for some goddamn reason. And it's 95 outside. Um, yeah. and, and you gotta try to keep face. And then you, I, me personally, you might have possibly parents or grandparents that kind of just get nag on you because they, I, I mean, they want you to do well, but they're like, Oh, you, you should have done this, whatever else. And, yeah, this is the thing. And like, they um, they think they're helping, and at one point, I guess they're not at times. Like, I, I know they're trying to be supportive, but it it doesn't help when you just went through that situation if you did have an issue with your animal for them to then say, like, what, like whatever it is they're talking about. And sometimes, yeah, it might have been my fault, but at that point, it's like I can't change what just happened, so don't. Mm -hmm like pin it and 
put it put pressure on me, especially when when you're really young as a four hr. Yeah, like I feel like parents and grandparents and like family members sometimes put too much pressure on the kids. Um, it's like and sports. They don't let them have the fun and learning experience that it is. Um, mm-hmm. And like I, I feel like that's probably very detrimental to a kid's performance because as soon as they step in that arena, they're just thinking, I don't want to let my mom down and I don't want to see anybody scream at me afterwards. Um, yes. Because I've seen, I've seen families that um, 4-H actually scream at their kid after they get out and if they messed up and it's just like yep. why like the kid wasn't going to it's win bad. any money that yep. like if they did the best ever they're going to take home a plastic trophy and, and i don't know it all I, my trophies are in a box in my closet I, yeah like i don't know where mine are <laughs> i think they're in the same i know actually i donated right all mine back after my 10 years i donated donated all my trophies all my ribbons i gave i don't them have all many. back because i'm just like i don't need them anymore well you have medals i don't so i kept what i <laughs> I, I kept what i got <laughs> i mean yeah osiri was bigger in my life than 4-h was but 4-H yeah still it, was it, it's kind of big it, in my life it's weird like it, it reminds me of sports at times but honestly i feel like like being at sports events being around some people that have been in sports i feel like 4-h is somehow worse and which is weird because there's more money wrapped up in 4-h and i know that's some of the parents um like reasoning for their kids to do well is to get scholarships uh there's more of that wrapped up in sports than there is in 4-h but um I don't know, like, I feel like with how my, my uncle and my mom and aunts talked, it's like 4-H used to be almost more competitive because you couldn't necessarily buy your way in at one point by just the standards at the time when it came to the livestock. It was different than it is now. So you couldn't necessarily just buy a $3,000 pig and be guaranteed to basically win. I mean, yeah. obviously, the people that do buy big still work hard with the animal um uh, i would disagree it depends on what animal it, it is depends on, P- it pigs depends it's on different family. it depends on it, the and that too because there's um and i i feel like it also depends on livestock because yeah, there's there, some livestock that's easier to just kind of like buy it and it just kind of does its own thing that, um they would buy the most expensive cow like a 30 grand cow um mm-hmm. And then they would also hire people to come in throughout the day, work with the cow, yeah. and then, yeah. like, the person showing would never even touch the cow until the show day. And it's just like, yeah, sadly, that's pretty screwed up. Pretty I mean, I never had a, a lot of livestock, and I know that there's people that definitely were more dedicated than I was around my age range. But I mean, I mean, in the summer, when it came to pigs and everything, and I know that, like, for my mom and uncle and stuff, they, like, there was different standards back then. So it was a little, at times, I feel like a little simpler with uh, showmanship in certain ways. So they would have 
out of the three siblings, I think like 15 to 20 pigs between them and their cousins. And, but also their pigs probably costed like maybe a hundred dollars a pop roughly when they bought them where now Mm -hmm. it's like to even get a decent pig, you got to probably spend at least 300 or more. Um, Oh yeah. And then they would walk them like four miles a day. So they would walk them a shit ton. But when like I would do it, um, when I, when I would work with my animals, it was like in the morning, it wasn't usually anything too major. It depends. Uh, there's a few years we, we would walk them a little bit in the mornings um, for probably 15 minutes or more. But we'd do like two pigs at a time. Sometimes we'd walk them in a larger group. And then mm-hmm. there'd be other times we'd take them one-on-one to just kind of work with them. But I think on average, I might have spent two to three hours a day messing with them between walking them, cleaning pens, probably washing them lotion feed um just a bunch of random stuff but it i mean it, it's a process and some people don't put in any time sadly when it comes to some 4-hers but then there are some that definitely put in a lot and oh, yeah. um it, it just depends there are some families that spend a lot of money and their kid puts a lot of time and effort into it and like you said there's also some that spend a lot of money and um the 4-hr doesn't necessarily do anything uh it's that's the thing with our county fair in general we have a fairly small county fair when it comes to livestock size but the standard of quality in our fair when it comes to overall livestock and showmen in the in the count or in the county in the state is very very high so our competition is rough like mm-hmm. my my senior showmanship group was ridiculous like the people i was up against it, it, it like everybody was good like and most of the people even on some of the lower end for some of our livestock in certain situations like our average at like if you took some of our average livestock and took it to other fairs mm-hmm. could possibly easily win like it like tipton's standards are crazy and yeah, and it's hard it makes it challenging it really does it and yeah. but I and mean, uh i mean i mean i guess it's a good lesson to the kids that life is not fair <laughs> no it, it, it it's not always fair and, and that was back, the thing i like, i knew that i back to like five minutes um before where you said that sport you think 4-h is like more competitive than sports i would almost have to disagree because i mean it gets like families are hard on kids in sports especially like football families like yeah but I, i i guess in my sense is with like sports at one point it is just the kid so it's the kid's ability. So, I mean, sometimes it, it definitely has probably a harder weight on the person. But mm-hmm. there's more financial incentive, or not incentives, but more financial burden when it comes to 4-H, I feel like. Because at one point, they're, the families that want to see their kids do good that spend a lot of money getting equipment, trailers, animals like anything and everything spending a shit ton of money on specific feed and then their kid doesn't do well i feel like that's why when it comes to like sports at one point it's like okay yeah you buy them you gotta pay for their cleats you gotta pay for 
certain things depending on what it is but there's not a bunch of like it's not possibly depending on like families like when you compare really good sports players to really good 4-Hers and families like it doesn't cost $20,000 a year possibly to have someone play basketball well at their school so that that's why I think it can be heated like is it I mean, th- there's people? professional showmen. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Because um, once you get up in like uh, showmanship and certain standards, and you're really a high or you're a breeder, oh yeah, they're like you want what's because I I mean I know pigs the best just because that's what I've that's what I showed. But mm-hmm. if you have a person that is a breeder that has a boar in particular, those shows are super can be super high priced because then at one point if if it's a boar and you win all these shows and someone's able to show it and it gets like grand boar nationally or something crazy like that that means that person can then have that boar for years sell semen and make uh, like probably by the end of the life of that boar hundreds of thousands of dollars from that one pig um so it's it definitely once it gets to like a really high level can be i guess on a professional note on like a national level um but it's different because at that point it's not even necessarily 4-h it's just livestock shows like it's separate but yeah it it, i love 4-h but there's definitely times that it gets it gets rough um yeah and i i guess just to I guess just to finish off that question in general, like what you said and what I said, I, I feel like it's both good at one point. It's like, just take, take deep breaths. It definitely helps. You got to understand that whatever happens happens. You can't change, change it. You just kind of got to go with the flow. Don't focus on everybody else. Just do your best. Enjoy it. Cause you, you won't be doing it forever. And at one point you will miss it. So just kind of enjoy the moment. And don't worry about what happens and just uh, you'll get through it. And yeah. and s- certain things that you might deal with, you, you might end up growing out of in a few years. It's, it's something that you'll just change and adapt um, and figure out stuff. Um, like personally, there might be certain things that work better for you than uh, what works for me or Noah. So just keep that in mind and understand that. It, the, the pressure isn't sh- shouldn't be on you to begin with at times when it comes to 4-H, but it, it is. So it just keep pushing through. Mm-hmm. I guess is my my b- big thing. But yeah. all right, so um, so this is just a quick story. I don't know why this is in the news, but I saw this <laughs> the other day. Um, kind of random. I just thought I'd bring it up. I get clickbait. Justin Bieber is sick (laughs) yeah he's paralyzed he cannot perform because half of his face is frozen um he he apparently has been tested and has ran ran whoa ramsey hunt Mm. syndrome which apparently is some shingles flare-up thing that if it's near certain nerves in the face will cause some of the muscles to kind of just kind of freeze up 
So mm. he posted something on Instagram. And if you look at the video closely, you can see that part of his uh, facial structure and his muscles aren't really moving uh, as the other side is. Um, so he, he canceled some performances over the next, I think, coming weeks. <laughs> that, that sucks. Poor Justin Bieber fans out there. Sounds like Poor you got to listen Bieber. to someone else. He's no longer a pretty boy. Oh, I think he's still a pretty boy, even yeah. if his face was frozen. That's true. <laughs> I think he'll do all right. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, so I also, bringing back what we did a few weeks ago, I have a couple weird facts to tell you. I want to see what you think of these. Sounds good. All right. So, number one, I don't know how weird this is, but um, did you know that squirrels are behind most power outages in the United States? I did actually know that. Oh, did you? Oh. Squirrels are the worst. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I'd say that, but yeah. So the American Public Power Association says that squirrels are the most frequent causes of power outages in the U.S., and they have even developed a, tr a data tracker called the Squirrel Index. This analyzes the patterns and timing squirrels impact an electrical power system. Turns out that the peak times of the year squirrels attack are in May, June, and October to November. May, May to June and October to November. <laughs> you. I, I did not realize that. I thought that was really uh, weird and goofy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, okay, so another one. Um, did you know spider webs were used as bandages in ancient times? I actually knew that one too. Damn. We learned that in history Man. class. Why did you learn that in history? I never learned that in history. I was homeschooled. Huh. Uh, that's true. You look at weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, apparently in ancient Greece and Rome, doctors used spider webs to make bandages for their patients and were uh, supposedly natural... Uh, antiseptic and antifungal properties so it was actually pretty cool um that's not really a fact i don't i don't want to use that one um i think oh i don't know if i told this one last time i might have told someone else so i'm gonna go ahead and say it um did you know that one quarter of all bones are located in your feet i knew that one too <laughs> damn it uh okay I'm, I'm gonna keep going until we find something um you don't know uh, okay. uh you're um <laughs> oh this this one you're more likely to get a computer virus from visiting religious sites than porn sites i didn't know that one but it makes boom sense. that makes a lot of sense Ah, uh, this is another good one, which I, I think I've heard at one point or another, but for, had forgotten. Did you know the inventor of the Pringles is now buried in a, can, a giant can of Pringles? I knew that one. That one. Ah, uh, I really, I hope someone buries me in a giant can of Pringles. He died yeah. at eighty nine. I got an eighty nine. No, he died at eighty nine, oh, and then I'm was like, buried I in a giant. Graded on that. Yeah, you got you got a score. Uh, did you know cotton candy was invented by a dentist? Yeah, actually, 
Yeah. No, you did not. No, you did not. You did not know that. <laughs> yeah, no, I did actually. Because, um, so it was in what book? You're lying to me. Mom, <laughs> my mom had this book. It was like a hundred weird facts or something. And it was I'm, in I'm going to throw something at you. No way. Well, I'm, I'm what, still shocked. What were the benefits it was, of it? Um, yeah, let me, let me read. Why John, went to, or dentist William Morrison um invented a machine spun cotton candy in 1897 it was first introduced in the 1904 world's fair as fairy floss then another dentist joseph Le- Le- les les cox reinvented the machine in 1921 he came up with the name cotton candy which replaced candy floss or uh, fairy floss um they don't say any reason to why dentist made it I don't know. Maybe they just came up with it. Um, hmm. So Damn he made it. it as a type of floss. At least that was a name. Uh, I don't. That's weird. Um. Hmm. I'm trying to think. Come on. Uh. Wait. What? Ch- okay. I don't. I don't even know what this means. Uh, children of identical twins are genetic siblings not cousins what wait say that again whoa that actually makes sense wait say that oh okay so children you have twins like you you birth them you have identical twins your grandkids are genetically siblings not cousins because you basically birth the same person like the so it says here, cousins whose parents are identical twins share 25% of their DNA instead of the usual 12.5%, while full siblings share 25% of their or 50% of their DNA, half siblings share 25%. That's why through children of identical twins are legally cousins, they are genetically the equivalent of half siblings. Whoa. That's crazy. I mean, it makes sense. I've never heard that, and I was kind of confused, but you read it, and it, yeah, no, I mean, it I mean, it adds up. Wow, biology's crazy. Yeah, genetics. Ooh. Um, <laughs> <learn about> <laughs> uh, oh, did you know that a cornflake in the shape of Illinois sold for, sold on eBay for $1,300? In 2008. That, <laughs> Wahaha. That's pretty impressive. Uh, d- d- um, d- um, the amount of copper on the Arizona Capitol building roof is equivalent to nearly 5 million pennies. That's a lot of That's a lot of copper. <laughs> a lot of pennies. <laughs> uh, so I think... I I'll, I'll say one more. Let me wait. Let me let me. Uh, nope, that's not good. Let me find a. Um, oh. I guess that's kind of interesting. This one also has to deal with birth. This is the last fact. A woman with two uteruses gave birth to twins less than a month after having a baby. So this woman somehow has two uteruses in her body. 
She is a and genetic. She gave um, birth to a kid, so, and then a month so later, she got gave pregnant birth to two more kids. Yeah, so she basically has two utero sacs, so she could have multiple children at once. So one uterus had one child, and the second uterus ended up with twins. So she had three babies in a month. Difference. So oh, it says, "Poor lady." Okay, so. When most people have a baby, they typically wait a little while before even thinking about another child. But this wasn't the option for a woman in Bangladesh who unexpectedly gave birth to twins in March of 2019, less than a month after having another newborn. The highly unusual circumstances came about because the woman has two uteruses and were both able to successfully carry the three healthy children to term. However, the mother's doctor did admit we were very shocked and surprised. I have never observed something like this before. Whoa. That poor lady. Ta-da. Dude. Ugh. I don't like that fact. I mean, I mean, it's, it's kind of cool. And it's weird that she didn't. Well, it's in Bangladesh. I don't know. Maybe she didn't have an ultrasound. I don't know how that would work. I don't know either. Maybe they just didn't see it. Maybe it was just I, like that would not be comfortable. I feel like I, I don't know if she would notice a difference from one to three. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel you know like, about the woman that had like eight babies at once, right? Yeah, I did know about that. But I think she took medication to even allow her body to release that many eggs at once. She would have to. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that was a fully natural process, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one, so I'm not gonna say too much. All right, so I got something. Uh, I did partially steal some of this information from another podcast, um, sorta, but it's some stories in the news of some interesting things that are happening. Potential heroes, or one is, I guess, a hero, um, and save someone's life. Uh, <laughs> all right, so Uno hero possibility um somewhere i don't know where i didn't get um a city but they're training rats to run around with little backpacks and training them to dig or fit through rubble to find people um in earthquake aftermaths um and natural disasters so they're training rats to basically i'm guessing have little backpacks with gps and mics um, to like travel through rubble to try finding um, vic- victims in a, a natural disaster of some sort so that it, it can hopefully speed up the process on locating possible survivors. That's pretty sick. So um, I'm trying to think. I mean, we don't necessarily have earthquakes in Indiana. Uh, I, I can recall one in my lifetime technically. Me too. Um, do you remember that one? It was like uh, on Christmas or something. Was it Christmas or New Year? I think it was. I don't know. Christmas, I don't Christmas I just Eve. just remember it happened in the morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the yeah, whole place I, shook. Yeah. For like it a was, couple of seconds. I didn't I think thought, it was real. <laughs> like when it, har- it started Nathan, happening, I just stood there. I thought my brother was just playing without me. I'm like, dude, what the heck? <laughs> Wake me up. <laughs> what how does yeah. that even work 
I, I thought he was just jumping around the house. And so I jumped up. I'm like, dude, where's Nathan? Yeah, I thought, and he was asleep. I was gonna, I'm like, how did he I was do gonna, I was going to say, I think I was, it was on Christmas break. And it, the house just started shaking. And, like, at first I thought I was seeing shit. And then I saw, like, stuff shaking on the walls. And I was like, well, that's weird. And then it just kind of ended within, like, ten seconds. And then I was like, like, I just kind of, like, looked at my dad. I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> and uh, and it turned out Indiana, which I don't even know why or where, because I don't know where the closest fault line is. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it was, like, a point nine or lower earthquake so it was like very very light but it was just mm-hmm. like it was, it was so weird because i've never at that point ever experienced anything like it and still haven't since but it was it was just like what the hell was that like just kind of threw me off yeah that's pretty crazy okay so the hero which we kind of talked about um as possible cousins earlier and i showed some of them a pig saved their veteran owner from a fire in New Jersey. This pig named Hamilton, weighing in at 500 pounds, is a pet that lives in an apartment, uh, or, well, lives with their owner in New Jersey. And I guess their house caught fire, and when they left, the pig shut the door. Um, the garage door as they left, and it had help slow the progression of the fire through the building and to others and possibly save the lives. So Did the pig live? Is the pig alive? Yes, the pig the, the pig the pig is alive. The owner is alive. I don't think anybody was harmed. Wow. So I think that pig deserves a medal of some sort. People in New Jersey don't eat this pig. Yeah. It's a big pig. Five hundred pounds <laughs> for a pet in New That's Jersey. Big pig. Good job, Hamilton. I'm proud of you. But, uh, yeah, I guess this pig was, like, trained to close doors. So as they left, the pig just decided to close the door. And uh, in, in, in the result of it, um, it, it did help slow the fire down um, from spreading. So it allowed time for firefighters to get on scene and uh, allowed less destruction um, mm. from the fire impact. So that's Good pretty job, cool. Pig. That's so cool. uh, th- th- this is why everybody needs to have a pet pig because it will save your life. And if the apocalypse ever happens if, and you get hungry, you also you have some bacon. bacon. So it's pretty good. It is tasty. Um, <laughs> very tasty. Uh, all right. So speaking of pennies from our fun fact there a few minutes ago, um, I don't know if you have ever heard of Ry- uh, Ryan Trahan. I have not. Oh, wait, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's a pretty cool dude. <laughs> okay, who is he? Uh, I'm curious. What, what do you know? Who is um, this fella? I've watched his channel for, like, a while. But he does a lot of those... He does a lot of challenges. Um, Like, when I first saw him... he He's done the... What was it? Uh... Dude, it's even on the Google form you put. But he did, like, the survive off a penny for 30 days. He's done that, like, a couple of times. And, like, that's where I first kind of saw him. Because he get those kind of challenges. But, like, he seems like a really cool, nice dude. And he's, like, a 
really strong Christian dude as well. Yeah, so Ryan Trahan is a YouTuber, and uh, he does a lot of vlogs, challenges, commentaries, lifestyle videos, um, anything along those lines. Um, I've seen him before, but I hadn't really uh, watched any of his content. But he was born in 1998. He is 23, and he is from a small town of England Lake, Texas. Um and so he is from he was valedictorian apparently and uh he can come from a town uh with almost like only 3000 people so um f from a very small town that we can kind of relate to and now within the past i'd say probably a year and a half to 2 years is kind of blown up on youtube um he's about is like 8.3 million subs on on youtube um like you said, he has done, uh, like a p penny challenge, um, thing, I guess is the mm -hmm. best way to, best way to describe it. Um, so he, he's done that in the past where it's been 24 hours, 50 hours. He does like weird challenges with that, but I've been, uh, watching some stuff on him recently and he's doing a new penny challenge, but, um, more difficult. So he's, he's starting so the whole point of this is he's uh surviving on a penny for 30 days but the extra twist is that he is trying to get across the country to deliver a penny to mr beast so he's trying to get to mm -hmm. north carolina so it, it, it's pretty interesting i kind of heard about it i think i saw the first thumbnail of it and i was like oh that's interesting but i didn't watch it because i didn't realize what it was or what it was about and I kind of heard more, and I got interested and started watching it. I've watched every video so far. Um, so it's actually become basically a daily vlog um, type of thing where I think at this point the videos might be two days behind where he actually is in real time. But um, And so they're doing all this. They're editing it and then getting it out in two days. So he's starting with one penny and he has to work his way up, find ways to make money to then find uh, means of transport to slowly get get across the United States by the end of the 30 days to Mr. Beast's location. But uh, alongside that, um, as he's doing this, is he, he's doing a fundraiser to raise money for um, Feeding America. So it was his thing is one penny, um, one one million meals. So his goal was to raise a hundred thousand dollars to donate to uh, Feeding America, because I think it's basically every dollar, every dollar donated is ten ten meals. I believe. Mm, um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so. He is on day, I think today, whenever he posts, he is on day, uh, what's today? Today's June 12th. So he's on day 12. Um, and, uh, so I, I've watched every video of it so far cause it is pretty entertaining. It's interesting. And within that time he has already raised over, which I don't know if this accounts cause I know there's two different fundraisers on feeding america itself and on youtube but on mm -hmm. the feeding america page he's already raised a half a million dollars 
um, in donations, uh, which would be over 5 million meals um, for, for the foundation. And a thing that kind of goes along with that is not only that he's trying to raise money um, to, to feed America, but he, he's also raised, I think, on YouTube, it's showing um, $237,000. So I don't know if that's already included in Feeding America or if these are two separate numbers, which in that case, he's raised almost 7 million meals within uh, 12 days um, just from people donating from his videos. I think every video is basically gotten every day almost been a million views um if not more like he's been on trending every day um and they've been super entertaining videos and he's found different ways to make money and uh worked his way along and so he started in la and uh i don't know it's pretty pretty cool and i, I kind of wanted to bring some light to it to people that didn't know and i'm probably definitely gonna donate before the end of this and uh go from there but it, it was it was really awesome i wasn't sure if you heard about it yeah um i've seen a couple things about it 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 looks pretty cool it looks pretty hopefully someday i can do something like that that'd be that'd be kind of fun so um part of the incentives to donate is one is just to donate and to raise money but um so he's he's had some things to kind of get more people to um spend more money so basically if you donate a thousand dollars your name ends up in the video or at the end of the video um if you donate five thousand you get a verbal shout out in the video or a verbal thank you and then if you donate fifty thousand dollars um he gets reset back to one penny. So basically whatever money cash he has on hand, he can't use it. If he, he has bought anything like a plane ticket or um, any items, he gets to keep those. But um, if it's just cash and someone donates 50 grand, he gets reset back to a penny. So, um, like I said, he, he's several days behind when it comes to when the videos release to real time. Yeah. Um, so, like, he got reset technically, I think, off of the third or fourth video, but he wasn't able to see it, um, and it wasn't caught up in time with the videos until, like, the 10th episode almost, or I might have some of that timing wrong. So he has been reset once, and then the person then FaceTimed him, and said that he was going to donate $100,000 and reset him again. Um, so Dang. as far as I'm aware, from the last episode, he has made his way to Denver, Colorado, and um, has luckily bought a plane ticket to uh, another city, but he's stuck in Denver, I think, for three or four days until then because it was the cheapest flight he could find. So he got reset and had, has been having to figure out how to make money. That's, man, that's crazy. Yeah, I was I was very uh, curious how, how, uh, how he's gonna do it, especially like I was just like, what, okay, what what does this? How is he gonna make money? What 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 all is he gonna do? I'm I'm just kind of curious in the sense of how is he going to just the, the journey itself is an interesting narrative, but um, I, I was curious how he was physically going to do it. 
And um, so he, uh, in the first video, he started out basically on Finesse Beach with one penny, and then he traded that penny for a pen, and then he sold that pen for a dollar, and then he took that dollar and bought a water, mm-hmm. and then sold that water for two dollars. So he basically mm-hmm. just kind of piggybacked his way to make some money to then eventually buy a case of water and a cooler and some pop and tried selling it on the beach and doing things that way. Um, making money uh, just basically as a mobile vendor on the beach. And he's, his personality is kind of hilarious, kind of awkward and goofy, uh, which I can relate to at times with how he reacts to certain things. And, uh, and then like the next day, I think he bought a bike off of like Craigslist or Facebook marketplace and then did DoorDash with that. Um, so he's like found different ways to make money. He's slept in a hammock several times. Um, the next city he was able to get to is Venice or Venice. What? That's where he started. He was able to get to Vegas and then actually was able to stay in a hotel for like four days because it was only like 20 bucks a night. And, um, in in several instances, he has made a decent amount of money. I think through the whole thing, he's probably made like five, $600, um, off of doing different tasks or people just like giving him more than what he asked for on things. Um, and just doing little jobs or selling stuff he's probably made six six hundred dollars or more um but he spent some of it on assets or he's rented a car to doordash when he was in denver um and found different ways to make some cash and he's bought plane tickets and stuff like that and part of the narrative that makes it kind of tense on his point is he if he wanted to he could stay in whatever city he's in and make four or five hundred dollars or whatever he needs to get a direct flight to um south carolina or north north carolina sorry uh just from like door dashing for two like three or four days but the issue being is he doesn't know if someone's gonna come through and reset him and so he doesn't want to necessarily sit in one city rake up and save let's say five hundred dollars for that one flight and then before he's able to actually purchase the flight, if he's like just have, has just less money than need be, and then gets reset and is back at square one. So there's kind of like a tension as he's going along where he doesn't know what's going to happen in the next day or two, if um, if he's still going to have the money uh, that he that he has currently, and what he's going to do to find ways to make money and uh, how he's going to get places. So like when he got reset, he still had to um, take his car back that he rented. And uh, then he was just kind of stuck there because all he had was a penny. <laughs> so uh, he didn't have a form of transportation. So he took the shuttle to the airport and then tried getting some money in the airport. So he's trying to figure out ways to like try doing the same thing, like buy a water and sell it. But a water in the airport's like $3. And he didn't have $3. And then the only way for him to make money is to buy it and sell it for more. And he's like, no one's going to buy a 4 or $5 water bottle. <laughs> um, so he, he got kind of lucky in the situation he ended up in. And then ended up buying a t- train ticket uh, for like 10 bucks to get back into the city. Hmm. So it, it's definitely going to be a journey. I'm curious to see what he does in the next coming days. But... Um, 
I definitely like him. He, he, he definitely preaches a uh, good character and he's, he, he's ran into a lot of very generous and kind people um, where he's been. And, um, and along with just making a very entertaining and fun YouTube series. And uh, with that, he, he's also been raising um, a bunch of money to supply meals for families in need. So it, it's, it's been really cool. And uh, with, with that situation, he, so he's delivering to Mr. Beast. Um, and with that, I don't know if you saw, did you see Mr. Beast's last um, or latest video? I did. Which one was it? I might let you take over. Um, it was the Chocolate Factory one. Mm-hmm. It was like, um, so Mr. Mr. Beast, um, he, they had the chocolates, like he sold a bunch of chocolates, and some of them had a golden ticket in it, just like Willy Wonka. And so a bunch of people bought them, and so I think it was like, I don't know, 10, 20 people got the ticket, and so they all got sent out to the chocolate factory, and they all did a handful of tasks, and whoever, like, won and was, like, the last person left at the end was given the chocolate factory, um, and the, probably the coolest task I found was where he, where the last task, Gordon Ramsay showed up, and they all had to cook, and I'm very big in cooking and baking, so I found that pretty mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, and no, definitely. So the guy who won, so Mr. Beast, like, gave him the factory, but it's like, this is going to cost a lot to, like, keep up, and it's probably going to be horrible, so can I buy back that factory for, was it 100000 or a million dollars in cash. It was it was five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and so the dude took the five hundred thousand, but it seemed like a pretty cool idea and new video that got put out. Mm hmm. No, uh, yeah, I like Mr. Beast in particular. Like, I would love to meet him in person at one point. He is, um, I don't. He's, I love that he's so. Uh, philanthropic with everything he does but not only that like he's he's i would say probably one of the most modern versions of an entrepreneur today and everything he does and he's blown standards out of the water i mean he started making youtube videos when he was like 13 was making like a dollar a day by 17 um and then dropped out of college and started actually making real money when he was like 18 19 um mm -hmm. and then that's kind of like as as we kind of knew him today like i watched him when he was at like a million subs roughly was when i mm -hmm. first started watching him so like fairly early on and within that same year he got up to like nine million subscribers now he's at like 75 million or something ridiculous and he has like 10 channels total like he has a spanish channel and and i think he's working on a japanese channel he has beast gaming beast philanthropy which is all about his food pantry um like 
in, in all of his other channels basically just make money to then use for the main channel um and just to offset overall like the crazy expenditures like when he did um squid game he, that one video costed him like 3.2 million dollars or more just to make one video and i don't know if he broke even even though i think it's like one of the most quickly viewed videos of all time because i think within two days it had more views than squid game itself on netflix and i think now mm -hmm. it's still his most viewed video ever and it's at like almost 300 million views or something ridiculous um it just everything he does like he gives money away and i've seen something where it's like when he started out like all he had was a little bit of money and that's why his, even his first video that blew up where he did start making money was off of a sponsor and they were going to give him five thousand dollars and he was like well okay he's like how about this give me 10 and i will give it all away um to a homeless person and and i won't keep any of it and even at the time the company he was spon being sponsored by was like i doubt that he's like you're not gonna do do that and give all your money away he's like no i'll do it but he's like give me ten thousand dollars it'll be better for the video instead of five i'll give every, every penny away and so they they agreed to it and that was like one of his first viral videos and it was giving 10 grand to a homeless person and and he did that and then it just kind of kept growing and then from that that video he made a bunch of money so then he started doing like something similar and it just kept growing and then i thought i have heard him say something where he's like i can do like videos where i give twenty thousand dollars away and and he's like they do well but at the same time um a lot of youtubers could do that and it could be fake and it could be actors and it, uh, i like i could cheat the system if i really wanted to and mm -hmm. no one would necessarily know but he's like when i've done videos where i give a million dollars away there is no way for you to fake that like it, it's right there it's in your face you get genuine reactions and it's nothing i can hide where I can say this and then that person doesn't get it because in that sense, if he didn't give the money to someone and, um, just tried using it for like the views, um, like that person, it doesn't matter even if they were paid actors and they went through all the stuff to even get that. And then they just didn't get the money. Uh, it would ruin Mr. Beast's reputation in general. So it's like when he did that first video of giving a million dollars away, it kind of set a new standard where it was like everything he does is a hundred percent for real and he doesn't care. Yeah. Like I think for, I think for his 40 millionth, uh, subscriber mark, he gave his 40 millionth f subscriber 40 cars to give away in 24 hours. So that, it, and it, I think the dude was like 17, 18 and he had to give away 40 cars in 24 hours for him to then win and keep a uh, custom wrapped brand new Tesla that they bought. That's crazy. So, like, so, and then I think the dude was, um, I don't even remember. He was several states away. I think he was in like maybe Virginia or Ohio or something along those lines. So they had to ship 40 cars to this guy's house. And then, um, so he just had 40 vehicles sitting in his, like, yard. 
So like he gave every family member a car and like uh they gave it to friends and uh I think at one point he went to Walmart and just found like a random person in, in the in the parking lot and was like, "Hey, here, you you can have this car." And then like they he just gave him the keys and like left. <laughs> like this the stuff he does is just so crazy and then when he started like beef philanthropy and um started doing stuff like that and had the um the the food pantries that he put on it just made it even more genuine because like with that channel every sponsor every dollar that that channel makes goes back into providing food for communities in his area mm-hmm. and like he, it's just crazy um the the amount of stuff he's been able to do in the past three years like he's only 23 yeah like it's crazy it, it doesn't make sense it's yeah it is it's pretty insane to see um how successful someone can be like that yeah it, like and even with this video I mean, one, he got Gordon Ramsay involved, which is pretty crazy in, in, in itself, <laughs> which wasn't necessarily a surprise. As soon as he said that there was a guest and, like, all they did was, like, blur his face, I saw the shirt that they were wearing and just the overall body structure. I was like, well, that's Gordon Ramsay. Like, I've watched enough of his TV shows and everything. I was like, well, that's kind of obvious, but okay. And, uh, but I know that in particular for this video, like he doesn't try faking anything. And um, I think they had been working on this video in particular for like three months. They probably recorded it a month ago or more, but it, they had to spend so much time probably going through footage, editing stuff out and doing everything they needed to, to then post. But I know that he went on Joe Rogan like three months ago and he talked about it. And one of the reasons why they had delays was he was literally trying to figure out how to make Willy Wonka's chocolate factory and make all this stuff edible and make an actual chocolate river and what works best to keep it real and, um, and all that. So they like, it basically has people hired in literally just to try figuring out these like random problems just so it, it it's like he wants. And it, and it's just it, it, it's ridiculous like some of the challenges he has yeah it's pretty and crazy then, and then he just get gives the person half a million dollars like it's it, it's awesome i he actually did have someone years ago to uh, i think two or three years ago from indiana uh fairly close to us i think within like 30 minutes 40 minutes uh, in one of his videos for one of his challenges which is pretty cool uh i can't remember i think it was like monopoly in real life if i remember correctly but um yeah it's it's just crazy what uh some people can do with their influence in particular but um i guess speaking of influence I watched this documentary last night. I've been wanting to watch this documentary. I think it only came out like a week or two ago. Um, it is the Look at Me documentary about XXX Tentacion um, on Hulu, and it was crazy. Um, 
have you do you know much about x or did you listen to much of his music uh no not really do you know who he is i know who he is and like i've heard a couple of his songs but i'm not i don't know him too well wasn't ever too big of a fan i guess okay so he he uh basically was uh underground he started as an underground rapper uh down in south southern florida and uh basically like when soundcloud rappers were kind of being uh becoming a larger thing in like 2016 2017 around there yeah like 15 probably 14 to 16 um and so he like moved out and uh started making um making music uh at a very young age and got involved in some criminal stuff at one point or another um but he he uh yeah so he's from south florida soundcloud rapper i mean i feel like most people that listen to this will at least know the name um but he uh he ended up dying in 20 june 18th of 2018 at the age of 20 um and uh he, he got shot and was robbed and I remember when it happened, uh, seeing stuff on YouTube, people talking about it. Uh, I think I knew who he was at the time. I hadn't listened to a lot of his music. And um, after hearing his story more, it got me it, it more intrigued to find out who he was a bit and listen to his songs. And uh, a very... Uh, very complicated person he definitely had a um interesting uh past i know he had some criminal allegations that he i didn't realize he was still up against at the time of his death um that he was still dealing with legally in florida but um he i I think he was like one of the most blown up rappers at the time and had probably one of the most devout fan groups for uh that like uh time through social media because of um twitter and instagram and everything he posted and he would talk to his fans and dm them personally and do a bunch of stuff so he had a a very devout fan group even when he was uh reasonably small before he blew up Mm -hmm. um the song that did blow up for him originally was look at me the name of the documentary which is like a screamo punk uh rap um which uh, the the man's character was definitely very complex, uh, and you could tell that through his past, he was like fighting demons in himself, trying to he, he with what everybody was saying in the documentary, uh, close friends, his mother, uh, aunts and uncles, not uncles, but his aunt. Um, he he had a very rough time. I guess dealing with his emotions and understanding uh, himself, and he put that into his music, and he took that out in a form of anger. So that's one reason why he originally um, kind of blew up and got uh, um, attention originally on the internet was from videos of him like fighting people and get, getting into fights in public and being recorded and doing stuff like that, and then 
then it was associated with his music and kind of getting attention. And I mean, mm. it's not the best way to get attention considering it's like negative publicity, but like everybody always says it, like, it doesn't matter if it's negative or positive publicity. It, it still gets you attention, mm-hmm. which is true, but he ended up realizing what like he, he grew out of it eventually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you can kind of see it through his music. Like some of his first songs were definitely very um, aggressive and um, angry, and like like you can see within like three years how much he had changed as a person just listening through um, his music list, where it went from a very rage induced music to like an R and B love songs to um uh like a p- positive music just dealing with emotion and and like I didn't know this but when he was f- 6 se- 17 he ended up in prison for almost a year oh dang uh, he was stuck in jail and that was all, all like that was around the time that he actually blew up was when he was in jail and some of the reasons was because of his fan base cuz I guess in from one of his songs drake took his flow and his fans caught on and then it started blowing up on social media where fans were like saying like drake's a fraud he's stealing like this is what this music's from and all this and all 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 this stuff when he first blew up and i think it was from look at me and a few other of his songs that were released while he was in prison when he came out he was like uh i guess more of an actual celebrity and he ended up getting some music deals and uh started blowing up more in the mainstream like getting top top songs um in the country that's crazy yeah i mean he was doing all this at like 18 19 years old and um so i i did definitely come into his music a little late and afterwards i i definitely related to a lot of his music like it it hit me at a very very deep level and it's and i think that's one reason why his fan base was so dedicated to him was because a lot of people could relate to the music he was um making and um i I think everybody realized that even around him knew that one it was good for him when he was making music mentally but um at the same time he just had such a large impact on the community he he had formed that um when he did end up dying uh they basically had i I think part of it was an open funeral okay okay so sorry for that little intermission noah's laptop died (laughs) um so back to uh that documentary and x so he i don't know so i kind of found him like I said, a little little later after uh, around his passing and I started listening to his music. Um, and they, they were still able to re- uh, release several records after he passed just from music he had worked on. And um, I know he had a controversial past with uh, some um, oh, domestic violence and stuff like that. And... And I think he was struggling to even own up with that 
on his own. Like that's the, that's some of the legal charges he was um, up against in court. Like before he passed, he was looking. I think within several days, he he was still having to go to trial there for a while and deal with certain things where he was looking up to possibly twenty years between uh, certain things he's he did in his past. Um, but uh, he. I don't know. He was definitely a. He had his own issues, but he definitely was kind of like a, a light in the dark for a lot of people, and that was the cool thing that I think his m- mother realized that even after his death, for his funeral, um, I think it was they kind of had it as an open funeral, where um, fans in the area and people he's known um, for a long time and. Uh, uh, were able to actually come to the funeral and it wasn't just like immediate family um, just because they were such a big part of who he was and he had such a large impact on their lives um, yeah. and I mean he he definitely died uh, way too young uh, I mean the, I think that was the thing that when I found out about it and I kind of looked into some of his music and him as a person and he had started posting different stuff on social media before he died i think the thing that kind of hurt me the most in the whole situation was he he passed away like within six months to where he was starting to kind of change his life for the better um and he had changed the way he was dealing with stuff um internally and was overall becoming a, a more positive person um, with the things he was dealing with and for his for his fan base. Um, he kind of, like, opened his eyes to what he was doing and realized that this isn't the right image that he needed to uphold and kind of was changing himself. And that was the thing that I was, like, disappointed the most was he wasn't able to kind of live out the life he was trying to at that point or at least not uh it it, it wasn't able to finish that out and then not only that but he was uh um he was gonna be a dad uh he his son was born eight months after he he was killed so he he didn't even get to uh meet meet a son either which was um which was terrible uh in itself but He's, it's crazy he still has such a large impact on music and people i think which i didn't know this but at the end of the documentary last night which i recommend anybody watching uh what recommend anybody to to watch it, it was really cool um uh, it was interesting insight on someone that kind of changed music at, at that time heavily um like his last song or last album that he i think released technically after he passed but he had worked on that year uh question mark like that's just the i don't know if you've seen that album cover but that is the most viewed album listened to album ever on spotify still like it's the number one album ever a hip-hop album ever ever recorded um that's crazy which which is ridiculous because like he's a big name but then at the same time it's like uh it's not a name that everybody knows like it's not 
uh, Drake. It's not Little Wayne. It's not um, I don't know Post Malone. Like it, and it it's still the n- number one most listened to album ever. Um, and he passed away four years ago. And uh, I think he has like I, I can't even remember. I think it was like total it was like 34 plus billion plays from all of his music like and i feel like it was kind of something similar to juice world where he was he his music like some of his stuff he that they had a lot of similarities and they were able to make music like it seemed like super easily at times where they would just like come in and basically make a banger song within 15 minutes and it ended up being some of their biggest songs ever <laughs> and both of them did that both of them died too young um and missed out on just what I, I feel like if anything the rest of the world missed out on what they could have brought if they were able to live a full life and the impact they had which, which is yeah. crazy i mean and that was the thing was I think it was after X died and was it Pop Smoke that Juice World released uh Legends not 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 the album but I think it might have been the song Legends Never Die or I could be wrong on the title of the song but it was about those two dying young and um that that he wasn't sure if he was going to make it past that club and and uh it basically saying that sadly that le- legends and people that have large impact die too young when in dumb situations and and uh then in all reality it, several years later he ended up dying at 21 or 20 as well which is crazy and mm-hmm. and he had such a major impact on the industry himself yeah I, I don't know what it is with music, but having, like, music has such a, I, I don't know if you get this way at times, but I don't know. M- music has such a weird, like, it, almost like a spiritual or biological, like, weird uh, sensation at one, like, at one point. There's just certain songs and some music that, like, it, it's so... I don't know. It, it connects to humans in particular. Like it's so magical in the sense of what it can bring and change people's moods and and um and just bring to someone that it's like I don't think human existence would be the same without music. Like good good music. It doesn't matter what it is, what genre. There's just some songs that are undeniably like super connective. And especially for some people can just, it almost becomes a spiritual uh, connection to it where it just like, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. Like the feelings people get through music and like, it's, it doesn't make sense why that's a thing. Cause like before like this now, like, I mean, we had classical and that definitely, you can get some of those vibes from, but um, like back in the day, like uh, two thousand years ago or more, like the only music that was necessarily around was more percussion based, probably for the most part, 
a little bit of like wind instruments and vocals and even that's just been an integral part of like human civilization basically since the beginning yeah i i've always had a really good connection with um connection i guess that's how you say it um with music because music um yeah it's been designed to to help it's um it can help you calm down or get pumped up or it can help uh, you push throughout a workout or focus um it's just it's crazy how how music affects the brain and i used to know exactly the psychology on it i forget it um but it, it's really it's really crazy and i love music music helps me a lot i listen to music all the time like mm -hmm. i don't know how i could live without it um i played instruments throughout my life i wish i still played instruments i want to get back into it because it looking back at it playing even playing the alto saxophone was very relaxing at times and helped me out a lot yeah it, like but, i I, yeah. I don't know if i could like you said i don't know if i could necessarily live without <clears throat> without music either like it's just it it it's an integral part of i think humanity for some weird reason it's like and there's times i don't necessarily listen to a lot of music but then there's other times where it's like that's all i could listen to and i love i love music a lot and i, I could listen to music all day but i also know that i can't at times but every now and again you just throw on certain songs or certain music and it just like it, it completely gets to you in a whole different way where it's like you can't not move to the music you cannot sing the music you, you, it just it, i don't i don't know it's it, it connects with you on such a different way um especially depending on what the song is and the lyrics and mm -hmm. um if you relate to the artist or who the person is themselves in some way or another that it, it basically like gives you a different way to connect with someone other than just like getting to know them from conversation like it's it's a whole different way of communicating at one point and it just connects yeah. to people on a whole different level yeah it's it's a tool that is really powerful that i mean i really appreciate and it's helped me out of a lot of good like a lot of slumps i've been in it's been able to help me get out of it um and yeah all right well i think that's probably gonna call it for this podcast i mean it kind of got a little a little deep there at the end but uh it was a lot of fun i don't know exactly what our um topic's gonna be for next weekend i have a few ideas running through my head on uh, what we might do so just uh let, let us know what you guys think uh down below and if you have any follow-up questions on anything uh just go ahead and ask uh, love to answer and a answer any of your guys's questions um don't forget that we we do have uh instagram youtube 
uh, Spotify. We're, we're on all of those uh, platforms. We are now officially, it, it took a while, but we are now actually on Apple Podcasts as well. Um, so, so please just check us out, uh, and we appreciate your guys' 